at uh, the first epistle of Paul to Corinth, 1 Corinthians, and we'll be working our way through that really over the next uh, several weeks, probably up until the summer or so. Um, and I've got two tasks really to do because um, in Wimborne and Verwood they had the benefit last week of a bit of an introduction. So I'm going to give you a little bit of an introduction and then we are going to look at the first, uh, first passage, really the six verses from 10 through to 16. Um, but let me just... Um, let me just give you, because I really want you to use your imaginations and just understand really where this letter's coming from so that it doesn't appear to be just a, you know, a disjointed piece of prose, but um, you're understanding that this is, a, this is written really in the cut and thrust of first century church planting in Turkey, what's now modern-day Turkey, what was the Roman province of Asia. Um, and written about 55 AD. So we're, um, you know, we're what, 15 years on, 20 years on from the, from the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Um, the church you know, started there in Jerusalem. We've, we've spread out to Judea and Samaria, and now we're beyond that now, um, and heading into, um, well, really very much the Roman world. Um, Paul... Um, Paul is, in fact, in Ephesus. He's writing from Ephesus. Um, he's, um, he's in a situation in Ephesus which is going really well. Um, he's, they've hired a school, and they're meeting in the school, and he's teaching from the school, and that's going on for the last couple of years. Um, if you know your scriptures, you'll know that there is a big riot that takes place um, in Ephesus. Um, this is before that riot and Paul describes himself as being in a situation where a great door of opportunity has been opened up to him, um, and there are many that oppose him. So he's doing a really great work there in Ephesus. And uh, what's happened is um, visitors have come from the church in Corinth. He was uh, in Corinth about three years earlier. Uh, um, we can pretty much put a, put, a, a thumb, uh, put a date on that one because... We know that he's in Corinth when um, a, a Roman governor called Gallio um, is uh, running the show there. And we've got that in uh, Acts chapter 18. And, you know, through other sources, we know that, that that was AD 52. So we place Paul planting the church in Corinth in AD 52. Um, as is his pattern, uh, he goes into the synagogue, he's a Jew, he goes to the Jewish synagogue that's there and he preaches Christ, Lord Jesus Christ as Messiah and, you know, and says you know, the, the, the fulfilment of all of the Old Testament scriptures is in Jesus and this has come. And um, again, as is the normal practice, we find he's there for about three weeks, it takes about three weeks and then there's a huge explosion, a huge upheaval and he gets kicked out of the synagogue along with all those Jews that had become Christians. And he then starts a church and, you know, is evangelizing the Gentiles in the area. Um, and what happened in Corinth was that two of the leaders of the synagogue, Sosthenes and Crispus, um, they become Christians. Uh, Crispus and his whole household get saved. Um, Paul baptizes them. Sosthenes um, gets badly beaten up by his fellow, presumably unbelieving Jews, um, when he gets kicked out. Um, but the church is set up right next door. Um, 
I guess Sosthenes is in the kind of manse, I don't know really, but he lives next door to the synagogue, he opens his house, and you can imagine that really in terms of uh, Roman housing, that would be, there would be a, a quadrangle, the house would be, you know, a shape of four with the, with the garden, as it were, in the centre, that's how these big houses were, um, and that's, that's where the people would gather, so... Um, Anyway, great time going on, a lot of um, ups and downs. Um, this is, if you've got, a, if you've got a, a, um, a New Testament where the words of Jesus are in red, then this will be, if you read it in the book of Acts, in Acts 18, you'll find there's a little bit there that's in red. And that's because Jesus himself appears to Paul and encourages him and says, keep preaching um, I've got many, many people in this city. No one is going to hurt you because Paul is preaching in an environment of physical threat to his life. So, you know, how about that for church planting? The Lord Jesus himself turns up and says, go for it. I've got many people in this town. Keep preaching. I mean, that would be a massive encouragement, wouldn't it? It'd be great stuff to go for. So he preaches, he plants this church. Um, and then he moves on, he's there for about a year and a half, about 18 months, and then he moves on and he moves on um, briefly to Ephesus, and then he goes back to uh, Antioch, and then he's come back out to Ephesus again. So three years or so has passed, he's having a great time planting the church in Ephesus, um, and then there's people that come from Corinth. Um, and we've got, um, we've got three people here, Stephanus, Fortunatus and Archaeus, so think about Steve, Lucky and Archie, I reckon. Steve, Lucky and Archie, they turn up from Corinth, they travel from Corinth to Ephesus to see um, Paul. There's another group called Chloe's people that turn up as well. Um, Sosthenes has also arrived um, with a letter from the church in Corinth. They've got some questions they want to ask Paul about. It's evident that Paul has already written to them, so there's some written correspondence going backwards and forwards. So although we call this 1 Corinthians, there clearly was an earlier letter that Paul has written as well. And so we're in this kind of dialogue that's going on. Paul, the apostle, is down the road, maybe a couple of days' journey away, and letters are being passed backwards and forwards, and people are travelling backwards and forwards, and he's, he's, he's responding, really. This... this uh, epistle here is a response to the letter that they've received and also other information that he's received and he's wanting to address what's going on. Now in those few years that have passed, other folk have also come to Corinth. So Apollos is a name which crops up. Now Paul has uh, met Apollos. In fact, Apollos appears to be with Paul in Ephesus when he writes this letter to Corinth. Um, and Apollos is, um, is an equivalent of Paul. He's another apostle. Paul seems to recognise him and recommend him, but he does not instruct him in the same way as perhaps he instructs Timothy and Titus. Um, so he's not, he's not one of Paul's men. Um, he's another apostle that's travelling around planting churches and, you know, anointed by God. And he's been to Corinth and he's evidently been teaching there for some time and, you know, is assisting in the growth of that church. It seems as well as if Peter, the apostle Peter, has also travelled through Corinth and spent some time there and taught there. 
Um, it, Crispus, who's one of the leaders, I said, of the synagogue, one of the founding members of Corinth, Crispus turns up later on in Bithynia, which is another part of Turkey, uh, where Peter is planting churches. So it seems maybe as if Peter has come to Corinth, he spent some time there, and then Crispus has travelled on with him um, to, um, to Bithynia and uh, been involved in church planting there. So quite a lot of to and fro going on, quite a lot happening, and um, that's really the background to it. And Acts 18, 19 and 20 really um, are the passages to read. And I would really encourage you to read through Corinth, uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians here. Um, you know, if you've got some Bible resources, Bible dictionary on the shelf or, you know, some other things like that. If you see any commentaries on Corinthians, get them out and read them because they'll really benefit you um, in being able to connect with our preaching series really over the next uh, several months. Okay, so let's get to the word then. So uh, I'm going to pick up um, verse 10. Verse, verse 1 to 9 really is the greetings um, and, um, you know, Paul introducing himself. Um, and I'm going to start at verse 10. Let me just read these. So 10 to 16, I'm going to read this now from the New American Standard. You will have different, slightly different phrases, slightly different words being used in whatever Bible you're f- referring to. Now, I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now, I mean this that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, that's Peter, that's the Aramaic name for Peter, and I of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptised in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptised none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one would say you were baptised in my name. Now I did also baptise the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptised any other. For Christ did not send me to baptise, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. I think um, you can imagine here um, Paul uh, dictating this, pacing up and down. Um, It looks like Sosthenes himself is actually writing this down on the scroll as he's going, and there will be other people around him. And maybe Stephanus is one of those, remember it was Steve, Lucky and Archie, that came. This is Steve. Perhaps he's there as well. And so Paul's, you know, pacing up and down and saying, yes, I baptised Crispus and Gaius. Other than that, I can't remember anybody. And then Stephanus goes, <coughs> well, you, you did actually baptise me in my household. So then Paul goes, yes, yes, that's right, I baptised Stephanus in his household. I can't remember anybody else. <laughs> so, I think it is significant that amongst all the issues that Paul wishes to address, which is, you know, the rest of Corinthians here, really, um, the first thing that's top of his list starts with this word, now, 
let's get to it. The first thing he wants to address is division in the church. Uh, and that's instructive to us that it's a, it's a significant and high priority issue. And verse 10 is a very forceful appeal. And it's an appeal to siblings. He says, my brethren, uh, my brothers, my brothers and sisters. It's an appeal to siblings, to equals. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, again, that is evoking, you know, the top name and title, isn't it? In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I like the, I like the hour. He's trying to be inclusive in this. He's addressing his brothers and saying, will you please agree with one another? Stop arguing, stop quarrelling. He, um, he says literally, uh, I want you to speak the same, speak as one. He says, I want there to be no schism. The Greek word there is schism. No schism. No division, no dividing ravine, no break here. That's what a schism is. There's some, you know, some violence in that. There's some tearing in that. He says, no schism. I want you to be perfectly joined together. That's, you know, these are, these are big. This isn't, a, this isn't um, he's not hinting at something here, is he? He's really driving it home. Be perfectly joined together. Be of the same mind. That Greek word mind is nous. <laughs> it's what we as slang, we use that word nous, don't we? Have some nous, have some mind. He's saying, I want you to be of the same mind. Be thinking the same. And have the same judgment, have the same opinion, have the same resolve, come to the same conclusions together. That's what he's driving for. That's what he's saying he wants. He doesn't want the quarrelling. He doesn't want the, the, the breaking out. I've been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people. Just, a, just an aside, I, Chloe, that's a, a lovely name. Chloe means green. It means verdant green. It's the, the spring green. Um, and a little bit of chemistry for you. That's also where chlorine gets its name from. Chlorine is a, an elemental green gas, which is... It's the same Chloe, chlorine, same, same letters. Um, and so Chloe's people have come with, and they've raised a concern, they've informed Paul, look, there's, there's schisms, there are divisions, there are different factions in the church. And he spells it out. He says, this is what I mean. Folk that are saying, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos or I am of Peter, or others that are saying, I am of Christ. Now, you might sort of think, well, yeah, I'd probably go for the full slot there. That seems a little bit more noble, doesn't it? But it's, Paul is objecting to it with the same uh, venomance as all the others. Um, because it's being said in an exclusive manner, because of it being a divisive thing, because it's people separating themselves off. I am of Paul and you are not. So, you know, I'm distinguishing myself from you. I'm making a difference. And there's a bit of a superiority in that, isn't there? You know, yeah, I'm following Paul. You, you know, I don't know who you're following, but I'm following Paul. Or then you end up with quarrels about who is best amongst us. Is it Paul? Is it Apollos? Surely it's Peter. You know, he was, 
he was in the Lord first. Peter's the, the, you know, the superior one, isn't he? And then people are trumping that and saying, well, I'm of Christ, you know. So, so Paul brings it straight back, doesn't he? He says, let's look at this business of um, allegiance. Has Christ been divided? Has he been divided up? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Neither was Apollos, neither was Peter. Uh, you weren't baptised into my name, neither were you baptised. Although these guys had been baptising people, he's saying, well, when I baptised you, I didn't bap- you weren't baptised into my name. It wasn't allegiance to me that you owe. It's allegiance to the Lord. I baptised you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's to him who you belong. You owe your allegiance to him. And baptism in his name should be a sign of that allegiance and that belonging immersed in Jesus, immersed in the Lord Jesus, not immersed into Paul, immersed into Jesus, soaked in him and not in anyone else. Now, Paul seems to acknowledge here that being baptised by someone, perhaps, you know, there's a, maybe there's an understandable and perhaps a natural tendency that you might, you might want to connect yourself with Paul. You might want to say, well, you know, Paul baptised me. I, I got saved when Paul came through first time. I'm one of the original founding members here. You know, I, it was Paul that baptised me. Or, you know, when Apollos comes and maybe there's a period of great church growth and perhaps there's a lot of people in the church in Corinth now, you know, that got saved when, when Apollos was preaching and, and had been baptised in his name. And they, you know, maybe they hadn't met Paul and they have a natural allegiance to him. And then maybe Peter comes in and, you know, Peter's got uh, perhaps, you know, a a more, um, you know, let's say he's got a more um, uh, Jewish um, home home, um, country accent, you know. The guy's a fisherman, he's a Galilean, you know, he's got a strong accent there and maybe people feel like, well, that's more authentically Christian, isn't it? You know, this guy walked with the Lord Jesus, he knew him, you know, he's got... He's, he's got his gospel to tell, you know. I'm, I'm with Peter, that seems even better. Um, so some of these things you could see would be natural. And let's think about, um, let's think about you know, how these days you might, you might think about, um, well, you know, I like um, you know, various Christian teachers. You might say, well, I like their teaching style. I mean, you might say that even, even here, you know, amongst NLCC. You've got plenty of... Um, teachers and preachers um, ministering the word of God to you. Oh, well, I like it when that guy preaches. I like it when he preaches or when she preaches. I can, I can understand that. I don't like it when they preach. I can't really follow what they say. You know, we have these preferences that develop, don't we? Um, maybe there's an affinity perhaps, you know, to a youth leader. You know, if you're growing up and you're in the youth group, then you might, might feel closer to your youth leaders. Um, than to others or maybe you know these things are natural perhaps um, you know there's a there's a plethora out there isn't there of of um, of different um, teaching styles perhaps um, perhaps the accents are the things that affect you maybe your interest maybe you just naturally find affinity to an accent that's like your accent um, and a distance for an accent that's not that's not perhaps it's a demeanor some preachers are more shouty they're more confrontational. And maybe you don't like that. You think, oh, don't shout at me. 
and pull back a bit. And others are very pastoral and loving and gentle and soft, and you might, you might prefer that. You know, these are just different styles and approaches. So people will have different preferences. Um, and um, that rolls on, really, to worship as well, doesn't it? We can have different preferences in, um, you know, who's leading the worship, different worship styles, different approaches, different voices. You might like it when this instrument is part of the band or when that person's playing on keyboard or whatever. You know, naturally, we're going to be like this. These things are natural, they're okay, but only up to a point. If we go beyond the church fellowship, then, you know, some big city churches, you know, got big uh, leaders, big names that are leading and preaching from those pulpits in those churches that, you know, in, the, in this, in this um, world of uh, Christian uh, uh, media, um, you know, we get to know those names. Um, we get to know the, the, you know, they almost reach a celebrity status. Um, you, you know, you can get all their preaching online. Um, you can, um, you know, tune in and, you know, join the service on Zoom. Maybe authors, different Christian authors that you like. Well, I like what they write. I don't like what these guys like. I'm with this author. I'm not with that author. Um, and even in the world of, you know, and TV personalities as well. Um, you know, you might be tuning into. God First TV or goodness knows what else there is out there, you know, and picking up your podcasts and your, your, your YouTube thingies and, and following these guys. And all I'm saying is, well, I'm, I'm going to say two things. I'm going to say, first of all, look out for it because it is a, an occupational hazard, but I think also a character fault that you can come across where folk that are on the stage, that are on the public view, or just preaching from the pulpit, they want your affirmation. And perhaps as a character folk, they need your affirmation. So sometimes that comes across as a, someone who is, they're wanting you, they're wanting to draw you after them. Draw you after them. And that might involve some financial contribution as well. So watch out for that as well. Folk who, you know, they want your money as well. Just be careful about that. Um, I think, you know, not just in the Christian world, but, you know, you know, in other situations as well, one of the difficulties with celebrity status like that is that, you know, there can be a need for people to like and affirm the person that's doing the, the talking and the preaching. And, you know, that's just a little bit, that's a bit, that's worrying. We, Jesus, in fact, has some pretty hard words in John chapter 10 about shepherds that draw the sheep after them as opposed to him being the great shepherd. You know, and I would say, I think, you know, my hand on my heart, that certainly is a leadership here in NLCC. We want you to be following hard after Christ. We want your allegiance to him, your devotion to him, um, and not, not to us. So, yes, you know, on the one sense there's a case of, and Paul does the same to Corinthians, he says, look at me and do, do what I do. Um, you know, follow, follow my example. Um, I was a father to you, he says. Um, and Paul says, you know, you've you, you got many tutors out there, 
many teachers out there, but what you really need are fathers. So we try to father you in the Lord and mother you in the Lord, and we try to be you know, examples for you to follow. And by God's grace, we do that, but we don't want you... We're not seeking your allegiance to us. We are seeking your devotion to the Lord. So how do you work out who's good and who's bad, what's up, what's down, what's right, what's wrong? A little bit more about this, I'm going to roll forward to chapter 3 because I'm just going to nick a little bit from chapter 3. Um, obviously, we'll get back there later. Um, but he refers to this again. Um, Brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual men, um, but to you as men of flesh and to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food. You're not able to receive it. And indeed, even now, you are not yet able, for you are still fleshy, since there is jealousy and strife among you. Are you not fleshy? Are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I am of a Paul, and the other, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? What then is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God causes the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants... All right, it goes on from there. Right, I'll stop there. So he's immediately saying this type of quarrelling and this type of schism and division and this sort of sense of human allegiance is of the flesh, is not something of the spirit. And indeed, you know, if you look in Galatians 5, you'll see about the works of the flesh and they are quarrelling and divisions and schisms. Those are the words that are used. Um, so he's saying really basically saying grow up, <laughs> grow up from all of that. Don't be looking for um, gurus to follow in that way. Follow Christ and all of these people can serve you. They're all servants of Christ, they're all out there doing their own thing and that's how you should regard um, other, other church leaders and other servants in the church. They're there serving the Lord Jesus Christ, that's who their um, master is and they're serving him to the best of their ability for you, for your gain, for your advantage. And so I would say as well, you know, um, we're in a battle and the enemy's out there with his lies and church leaders are, you know, in, you know getting pot shots taken at them. They're in the forefront of it here. So when you hear rumours of, you know, this church leader or that church leader has got into this sin or fallen in that way or this has happened or that has happened. Let me just say to you, unless you are personally involved, unless you've got personal knowledge of that, don't enter into all the gossip around that. Don't form judgments about stuff that you don't know about. Pray for those people they are servants of the same Lord Jesus Christ as you. They're seeking to follow the same. You know, pray for them that they would walk faithfully, you know, because they're in the same war as you're in. And try not to, you know, just try not to get involved in the kind of, what shall I say, the kind of Christian media frenzy, really, around those things. Um, just concentrate on yourself and make sure you're following the Lord faithfully yourself 
And you can literally say, there but for the grace of God go I. And remember that you're just made out of the same flesh and blood as they are. Um, and you've got the same spirit dwelling in you as they have. So, yeah, just, you know, steer clear of those things. You probably won't find us commenting on that sort of stuff. Um, and Paul is saying, you know, we're servants. We're serving Christ. We have no merit in ourselves. So somebody preaches a good sermon and you like it and you receive a lot from it. Thank God. Thank God. Because it's all about the spirit of God and the grace of God. It's not about the preacher themselves. I mean, yeah, thank them for, you know, doing the study or whatever. But in terms of what you're receiving, you're receiving it from the Spirit of God, aren't you? And, you know, that's where your, that's where your thanks is due. Romans 14.4, I like that one. Romans 14.4, Paul says, Who are you to judge the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will stand because the Lord is able to make him stand. So, you know... Um, Imagine a circumstance in which we all had our own servants. <laughs> you know, if I have my household servants and you've got a problem with my servant um, and you start running them down, do you know what? It's, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about employees then, say, right? We, we've got our employees. I'm in business. I've got my employees. You're in business. You've got your employees. If you've got a problem with one of my employees... You know, don't start running them down and telling them what to do. You've got to come to me about it because he works for me. She works for me. And, and you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure they're... It's before me that they've got to give an account, yeah? Let's behave that way towards one another when we're thinking about servants of Christ. Is that good? You guys getting that? Yeah. Right, okay. So, yes, Galatians 5.20, the works of the flesh, discord dissension, factions, parties, groupings. It's a work of the flesh that, that divides and puts people in opposition to one another and causes those dissensions, those quarrels. Um, factions. Uh, Titus 3.10, in the New American Standard, it says, reject a factitious man after a first and second warning. Now, um, I'm glad that that doesn't mean a man who knows all sorts of facts. <laughs> I think I might find myself as... I know a lot, my wife says I know a lot of stuff about, you know, all useless information. <laughs> Lots of useless information. Comes in useful if, uh, you know, you're in a pub quiz and there's questions about science and geography and stuff like that. I'm usually all right on those things. Hence Chloe and chlorine gas, right, see? But... Um, Fortunately, a factitious man is not a man who knows lots of facts, otherwise I'd be well out of here. A factitious man is a man who causes factions, who causes party groupings, who wants to divide people. So we have this issue, don't we? We have, there can be variety and we can rejoice in variety. Thank goodness there is a plethora of um, teachers in here and out there. Um, for you to, you know, you've no excuse not to know all of the scriptures, shall we say, you know, easy to get hold of it. A variety, that's great. Find what suits you, find what, what, what rings your bell. You know, same in terms of worship as well, you know. Great, there's loads of Christian music out there, 
easily accessible, find out what works for you and enjoy it. Excellent, blessing. That's variety. We rejoice in that, we celebrate in that. There will be preferences. Each one of us is individual and it's natural that we will prefer one thing to another, that we will find this preacher easier to listen to than that preacher or, or, or whatever. Again, that's fine, that's fine, that's natural. But where it goes fleshy um, and divisive and wrong is where you then start to form groups and factions and divisions and say, well, I, I like talking to those people in church because they're like me. I don't talk to those people because they're not like me. They don't, you know, they don't think, the same. they haven't got the same preferences as me. No, don't do that. Don't divide yourself off. Understand that God has put us all together in a family and we're all equal in that respect. There are brothers and sisters. So it's that, it's that dividing off where it goes wrong. And, you know, with this I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, there's, a, there's an identity issue going on there, isn't there? You see, it's interesting that Paul talks here about Chloe's people but doesn't say anybody's saying I am of Chloe. So there's a difference there, okay? You could be identified as Chloe's people, one of Chloe's people, but because there isn't that divisive, factional tone about Chloe's people, people aren't saying, I am of Chloe. They're not distinct. There isn't that identity there, that divisive identity there. Okay? So just, you know, I want you to kind of hear the difference between that. Unity comes from the Spirit. Ephesians 4.3 talks about the unity of the Spirit and talks about maintaining the unity of the Spirit. It's something that we have not um, produced ourselves. It is a gift. It is a fruit of the Spirit of God amongst us. So the Spirit brings unity amongst us and we are to guard that. We are to maintain that we are to value that and protect it um, but there is also a unity of faith and knowledge and Paul talks about in in verse 13 Ephesians 4 13 he says we're all coming to a unity of faith and a unity of knowledge he says we're all becoming more and more like Jesus and when we are fully like the Lord Jesus when we're all fully like the Lord Jesus then we will have that unity of faith and knowledge. So, you know, so there's differences um, in faith and knowledge. We have different ideas. We have different, you know, we, different people have different strengths, different things that they know, different things that they're walking in. We want to learn from all of that. We're heading together to be more and more like the Lord Jesus. And if you can help me on that journey, then I want to hear from you. I want to learn from you. But what we do all have to begin with is that unity of the Spirit. So let's not lose that unity of the Spirit, let's not break it, let's not get fleshy and start quarrelling and be divisive and separating ourselves off from one another. Where does that bring us to? Well, actually, it brings us all the way back, not to verse 10 where I began, but verse 9. Because in verse 9, Paul says that, um, he talks about God who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. People talk about their different callings. 
ministries and things that I want to tell you. Here is a calling that we all have, that we all share. We are all called into fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. How about that? God the Father is calling you and calling everyone. So we're all coming together, aren't we? We're all moving together and we're all moving together as we move closer to the Lord Jesus. Called into fellowship. How about that? How about that? Just imagine that as a calling. You're not called to, you know, don't, don't think of it in terms of, you know, I've got to join this, this group or do this thing or believe this creed. It's about relationship with the Lord Jesus. And Paul emphasises that before anything else and says that's who you are when he's talking to the church in Corinth. And of course, you know, it's the same talking to us, isn't it? You know, he'd say the same to us. I'll say the same to you. We are all called into fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's wonderful. So on that basis, I'm going to come to a, a conclusion at that point. Um, perhaps with a prayer, and then I'll hand back to you, Drew. Is that all right? So, Father, we want to thank you for that calling, and we, we want to thank you for the unity that there is in that. Thank you for the unity of the Spirit amongst us, Lord, Across the four different fellowships, Lord, thank you for the unity of the Spirit there is amongst us. Thank you for the diversity as well. We want to celebrate our differences and rejoice in them. Thank you for the richness of the differences that there is amongst us, Lord. But I thank you for that unity, Holy Spirit, binding us together. Thank you for that, Lord. We pray, Lord, that we would not be immature and infants, Lord, and infantile, Lord, in quarrelling quarrelling, and in forming groups and parties and factions, Lord. May that never be amongst us, Lord. But may we instead, you know, be of one heart and one mind united together, Lord. One speaking the same, thinking the same, agreed on the same things, Lord. Bless us, Lord. Thank you for that blessing, Lord, in Psalms about where people dwell together in unity there, the Lord commands a blessing upon us, everlasting life. And we thank you for your life amongst us. May that be seen more and more, Lord. And may we grow and value and cherish our unity together more and more week after week. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.